0: It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Praise God. Praise God. Some time ago, somebody walked to my office. And they said, I need help. And it's a matter of life and death. So I welcome them in my office and we start talking. And this individual seemed so troubled, so, so troubled, because of the very grave mistake they had done. And so I sit this person down, we start praying we share the word together, I encourage them in the Lord, and after talking with them, what was supposed to be the end of a conversation of somebody I was praying with, became sort of a very definitive moment to ponder on what religion has done every other day and is doing to the children of God. And this is because I could understand this person from where they were seeing the issues, the challenge, the testation the thing they were going through. And none of us here is immune to error. None of us here is immune to sin. If you haven't yet messed up, you will surely. Capital. Bold, underline it. Increase the fonts from 12 to 24. You will surely mess up. But the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Praise God. This is beyond what we even see or hear. It goes into the state of your heart. Praise God. Some people have done worse in their heart than certain people have done in their body. But because we cannot check the hearts of men, we judge what we see in the physical. Are you hearing what I'm trying to say? And then I started to think for a moment that if true teaching is not established in the body of Christ, some people are destroyed in their error. However, righteous. That is why the Bible says that there are wicked men which know how to prolong their days. And there is righteous men which perish. In us, yes, the man carries the righteousness of God, but they don't carry the understanding of God. They don't understand how the mind of God works. And because of that, some are destroyed too. Even the righteous of the Lord. The Bible says for all things have I seen in the days of my vanity. There is a just man that perishes in his righteousness. And there is a wicked man that prolongeth his life in his wickedness. So it's not enough to think that because you are the righteousness of God. And you are a righteous person. Therefore you will keep your life. And yet we all sin. Or have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. And God does not will that we stay in our weakness, in our error, in our addictions, in whatever you're struggling with. God intends to wash you, cleanse you by the word and help you move on. Somebody shout hallelujah. But then when I speak with this friend of mine and I'm hearing how they see the world. I see that religion has created a certain understanding in the affair of life. That some people, if we don't teach the right way, either will never come out of sin, they'll continue in their sin, they'll live a life of being in and out of sin, or even the consequences of sin, they will think they deserve, are you hearing me, and consequently attract death to. See, the wages of sin is death. And we know that. Praise God. But that's not where the scripture ends. Some people end it there. No, don't end it. Finish it. He says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, that second part is for a believer. Praise God. He didn't say they're not doing the sin. So some think we say or imply that it's okay to live anyway and mess up yourself the way you want because, again, it's not about what you do or what you don't do. No, that's not what we're trying to tell you. What we're trying to tell you is that your eyes are supposed to shift from the issue you're dealing with to the gift of God, which is eternal life through Christ. Because as your eyes continue beholding what Christ has done, His power works in you effectually to kill whatever you're dealing with. And that's the thing many people don't understand. But you see, religion has mastered the art of making sin what it is, emphasizing sin what it is, that the eyes of men are so much to the power of sin than the power that saves. They're so focused on what they have done and their weakness than the glory of the gift of eternal life which is through Christ Jesus our Lord. He says the gift of God is eternal life. It adds there is something that cancels the sin, the consequence and also the weakness to continue in it. But it's in understanding this life. It's in understanding this life. You see, in the Bible, I have realized that there's stuff that is so powerful, so mighty, right? The things Paul classifies in the depths of the riches of his glory. Or the depths of the riches of the glory of God, of the glory of Christ. There are things that some people take lightly. And sometimes they're not light because they are light, but they are light. Because of the way we teach them or of the way they are imprinted on the souls of men. The frequency by which these things are ministered is in the understanding of men. That is why Reformation is important. That's why he says in Hebrews that until the time of Reformation, he says people used to access God through eating various meats, various washings, and the Bible says, and carnal ordinances, the Amplified says, imposed on them by men, the Bible says, until the reality of Reformation comes, and they realize that to access the highest level of the presence of Almighty God is not in the outward scene, It's in the inward things. But by then it stood in meats, in drinks, and diverse washings, and carnal ordinances. And the Bible says they were imposed on them. In other words, we live in a church of Jesus Christ where somebody just evokes a doctrine. And he says, you know, if you do this, this will happen in your life. You're dealing with people who don't go to scripture to search out whether these things are so To go and prove whether these things are right. You know what they do? They just adopt it and they say, "Uh uh-huh, they say every end of month we must wash our feet. Everybody starts to wash feet. I'm not saying that I have a problem with you washing feet. I'm only saying I have a problem with you washing feet without the revelation. Because if it's not in revelation, then it becomes tradition. And if it becomes tradition, the Bible says the word of God is void of its power because of our tradition. So you have a bunch of Christians who almost do everything right according to the patterns of tradition. And the ordinances imposed on them, but they don't really encounter God a certain way. So they start asking questions like, but God, I fasted. Why didn't I see this? God, I over prayed. why didn't I see this? I went to church every weekend, why didn't I see this? I did this and I did that, and I did this and I did that. Maybe some of the stuff you're talking about is actually imposed on you. It's not revelation. So the Bible says until the time of reformation. What is reformation? Reformation is the spirit that gives understanding to the purposes of God. It is the spirit that makes you understand why God does things a certain way. Otherwise, we're living in a church or a body or we're living in places where people almost deal with God like they're doing witchcraft. They come to the presence of God like they've come to a witch doctor. They come in the presence of God like they've come to, you know, their local healer who's just going to concoct, you know, something and then give them and then they're healed and then they go no salvation is different and that is why we take time to teach says that demonstration of power the proclamations given whether benediction or words of faith they are understood in the place where god wants you to understand otherwise The highest level of the presence of God in Israel was never a revelation to everybody in Israel. Even the priest, he went there for the sake of sin. To give sacrifices for his sins and the sins of Israel. And when God tells him they are forgiven, that was enough for him to close the chapter of relationship. He never went deeper in God. He goes out of the presence of God. And then he says your sins are forgiven. Their consciences are purged from dead works and they wait for the next year until one man goes in there for them, for the sake of sin. And so the highest level of dealing with God during that time was sin conscious. So when men knew their sins were forgiven, they never went deeper into inquiring in God. And because the issue of the priest in the Holy of Holies is always dealing with sin... That means every time they're outside in the place of evoking, coming in contact, understanding, they're always addressing the one thing they know is important to preserve their lives, which is that when we give the sacrifices, the priest goes in there and then he serves for us. And after serving, then when he comes out, we are all forgiven. But the Bible says their consciences were purged. That means all of this act of the priest going in the Holy of Holies was to just purge their conscience that they are forgiven. That their sins have been dealt with. That God is at peace with them. It was a simple line. Are you hearing me? To give them confidence that you know what? Let your conscience be clear that I'm at peace with you. But you see, there's a difference between the deliverance of the conscience and the deliverance of the individual, the full man and his sensual pleasures. It's one thing for your liberty to dwell only in the conscience, but does not manifest in every other stage of your life. That's an incomplete pattern. It's Ephraim, the unwise son. The Bible says, who tarries longer where women bring forth children? That's the Ephraim fellow, the Bible says, who is a bread half-toned. You're an unfinished issue when it comes to the dealing of God because you don't understand that God wants to, yes, importantly, deal with your conscience. But from your conscience, are you hearing me? When your conscience is purged, he's not giving you a purged conscience for you to walk back and live the life you've been living until the time your conscience is heavy for him to go and cleanse again. No, he wants to cleanse your conscience that you might go deep by knowing him. Are you hearing me? So that is why if we don't deal with a sin issue, to give you understanding of where it is and what God's mind is, you realize people will never be free. In Psalms 91 verses 4, he says, He shall cover thee with his feathers, the Bible says, and under his wings shall thou trust. And he says, there comes a time where his truth, the Bible says, becomes your shield. And buckler. Now, picture this. If you are going for war and you're given a shield, what's the essence of a shield? What's the essence of a shield to a man of war? Hey, eh? what is the essence of a shield to a man of war? Protection. Protection. It's your shield and buckler. In other words, the devil can come at you. But when you know the truth, are you hearing me? Rema, right? The procession of Rema is the attacking effect in the spirit. It's the sword of the spirit. When they're talking about the sword of the spirit, it is Rema, right? It's the one that says devil, are you hearing me? But how do I keep guarded while attacking? How do I shield myself while attacking? Or how do I even shield myself before I attack? With Before I hear God on a certain issue, how do I make sure that I preserve myself from being hurt? Because you see, the devil can hit you if you don't know how by truth to preserve yourself. How many of you know that righteousness is a shield? Yes. The Bible says even righteousness is a shield. To know That I carry righteousness by faith. It's a shield. A lady one time was on television. She's a famous singer. She gave birth to an autistic child. Right? Very autistic child. And when she gave birth to this autistic child, she said, I believe that the reason why God gave me an autistic child was because in my earlier life, I aborted a child. Now think about it. Why is she having an autistic child? Because she believes that in her earlier life she aborted a child. And this was also taught her by a Christian. So she's paying the price. Well, let's reason together. What did this autistic child do again? Okay, I know your deals. But what did this autistic child do again? That's so selfish. Who has understood what I just said? That's so selfish. How then do you want to imply to me that the, your child should pay the price and that you should pay the price of looking after an autistic child is because you aborted? Where is forgiveness? Where is God's mercy? Where is the God who will not impute sin on the man that has not sinned? For the Bible says that it shall not be said again. That the fathers have eaten bitter, what? Fruits. And the teeth of their children are set on the edge. For he says, surely, the soul that sinneth shall die. You get issues if you think that you have to get them. Are you hearing me? But why is this child paying a price for you? It is hard to get a miracle with such a person. Why? Because there's a justification Of why their child is that way. Now leave the children. There's a person who thinks. That because they messed up. And they were diagnosed with a disease incurable. HIV. They think you know what. Ah, I over messed up. I don't think God. Will ever what. Forgive me. I don't deserve it. But there's somebody there who deserves it. But me I don't deserve it. Let me tell you. (laughs) Then children don't deserve to die children don't deserve to die of cancer. What have they done? What about those who are born with it? Are you thinking what I'm trying to say? Now when you understand truth, you learn how to use the shield. That shield is not there to help you stay stupid and crazy. No. If you think that it is there to do that, then you have not yet understood God. But you see, that shield is there to help you understand that God will not deal with you as you deserve. But Bible says he has not dealt with us as our sins, what? Have deserved. Otherwise we would all have been like Sodom and Gomorrah. There is nothing you've done that would not have led to death. The wages of sin, even telling a lie is enough to kill you. Ask Ananias and Sapphira. Are you hearing what I'm trying to tell you? God, anything could have killed you. Even looking at someone like this, oh, it could have killed you. Coverting your neighbor's thing, and you're like, oh my God, I wish I have that mobile phone. Dead. And you're still alive. Now let me go a bit deeper here. In Matthew 23, verses 23, when God is pronouncing damnation, when Christ is pronouncing damnation, To the Pharisees and hypocrites. Who pay tithes of means and annies and coming. And have omitted. The Bible says they have omitted weightier matters. Now let's go in the weightier matters. One he speaks of the law. In other words when it comes to the law. They omit the weightier. If you are to go into the weightier matters of the law. They point to Christ and grace. They don't point to the man the individual in death, but they point to Christ because Christ is the fulfillment of the what? Of the law. In fact, now Paul later comes, that's why many, some of them have distanced themselves from the teaching of Paul. Because every time Paul comes in the equation, he shakes the foundation of the teaching of the law. Are you following me? Because Paul will tell you That the law was added for transgression. That the law was given such that all men would understand that without God they are nothing. So after the understanding, do they need the law? No. They now lead faith and the life of God, which they trust and rely 100% on for God to preserve them. Who is following what I'm saying? But when the law fulfills its purpose, why then is it outliving its purpose. For the Bible says it works as old and is ready to give way. The, the law has finished its work it is waxed old and now it's ready to give way. But you see there are people who go on the shelf, get it out dust it poop, poo, poo, and then give it as the best and newest revelation in the spirit. Give me the amplified of that. Hebrews 8 13. He says, when God speaks of a new covenant, listen, covenant or agreement, he makes the first one obsolete, out of use. And what is obsolete, out of use, and annulled because of age, the Bible says is ripe for disappearance and to be dispensed with altogether. It's not even supposed to be something we deal with in 2019. But you see, we still have people who still deal with it, and they think it's the greatest and latest revelation." But you see, this is why they tackle the lightier matters of it. They've not gone deeper. So he says they leave out the weightier issues of the law, of mercy, and of faith. It's so amazing that the least expected word is in the weighty things mercy. <laughs> see, it's okay for somebody to say the judgments. They leave out weightier issues of judgments. The judgments of God. The judgments of God. Even the word sounds weighty. (laughs) Praise the Lord. When you say, wait, there are deeper things in faith. (gasps) Mm -hmm, What is that? Somebody gets a pen. Why? Because when you say, I want to go deeper in faith, there's a collapsing fellow who thinks, huh, what can I use this faith for? Huh, okay, huh. They get a pen. If I say, today I'm teaching about the weightier depths of faith. And he says, judgments. The judgments of God. It's deep when you understand the judgments of God. Because it requires reconciliation of your intellect with the revelation of the spirit. You know, there are many people whose intellect cannot reconcile with the revelation of the spirit. And because of that they cannot act mature when maturity is demanded of them. When that perfection is not reached in the spirit the hearts of men cannot entrust you with a responsibility a certain responsibility. Do you understand what I'm saying? That is why every one of us should strive to maturity. Whether you're a preacher or a worshiper or whoever you are, God should mature you. Maturity knows no age. Don't think that because you're 70, therefore you're mature. No. There are lessons experience can teach. Are you hearing me? But there are also lessons revelation can teach. And there are people who disqualify men with revelation because they think that only experience can teach. But there are some things even with experience you will never learn. They can only be revealed because revelation is the redemption of spiritual time. It helps you restore what is eaten by the eater one, the cankerworm the caterpillar worm. It helps you get the things you've lost and the years behind you and puts them ahead of you to give you another opportunity to walk it right. Experience doesn't Experience that makes you better for the next step. Revelation redeems. That is why the spirit of revelation is the spirit of redemption. How many of you knew that? That is why, in some versions of scripture, the word revelation is called God's redeeming power. God redeems through revelation. Do you know that your next miracle, the next thing going to happen to you, is waiting for revelation? It's waiting for you to see something in God? It's waiting for your eyes to open into a certain reality? Do you know that God dwells us in two inner realms of the Spirit through revelation? Because He knows human timing, our life and years of existence. Will not give us time to do more than one man can do. Are you hearing me? Yet, when it comes to the consequence of the things of the spirit, God requires you to do more than one man can do. Where well, there is no vision, redemptive revelation of God—it's called its redemptive revelation. It's redemptive revelation. Now, the reason why God wants to help give you a certain revelation in your spirit is because, as a man without God, or as a man with God who is ignorant in the things of God, you will only do things one man is able to do in a lifetime. But if you know God a certain way, you will understand that he distributed the nations according to the names of the children of God. The kingdoms of this world were distributed According to the names of the children of God. And that you will understand why he says that the least among them will raise a thousand. The smallest one a nation. And the greatest one will change the world. The whole world. In other words, the most fallen. The one said that one is not serious. At least they must be able to have effect on a thousand people in their lifetime. The one we call that's a small one. That one will be able to touch a whole nation. And the greatest among them, the whole world. Somebody shout hallelujah. But you see, there are certain people who don't understand that it doesn't matter how big this world is and how many factions are divided in the physical world. In the spiritual realm. Are you hearing me? There are designations to the heels of God. To the spiritually mature of God. That's the inheritance of the world. God wants to entrust you with the world. He wants to entrust you with millions of people. That you'll have effect on them. That your voice will be a very clear print. That your frequency will resonate the deepest dimension of their spirit. That you will be a teacher. Not only a teacher but an instructor to men you might not need to be on the pulpit like me, but regardless of where God is taking you, it shall be so. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. We grow in stages. We learn in phases. And until you understand that spiritually, (laughs) you might conflict the phase you're in According to the level of stage that you are. Some of you don't understand that your stage and phase must flow together. They must flow in like waves. Otherwise, you're going to look too mature for your ministry. In other words, you look mature but your ministry is not mature. Do you understand? Have you met folk whose marriages are breaking, but they're teaching everyone how to be married? Have you met folk who are writing books on how to be a billionaire? There's a book I saw. Some guy wrote about how, eh, how wealth is coming and how to get a hold of wealth. Chap is broke. So I'm like, You're teaching me to do what has failed to work in your life. Come on. No. That is why I pray by God. That as you grow maturely. May the things around you respond. To the maturity on your life. That men will duly say. That she, he is growing. And there is evidence in everything around them. In Jesus name. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now. He's talking about mercy. And mercy, if I speak about it in the way you understand it, for many of you, what is weighty about it? What are the weightier issues about mercy? Because with judgments, I understand the word alone, Judgments sounds weighty. If you're talking about faith, I understand because the word faith alone, Sounds weighty. If you're talking about the law, I understand the weight because all of us are struggling because of the law. Either there is one struggling to fulfill it. Are you hearing me? Or there is one struggling to understand it, but we understand it because it's foundational. It is good. It's God's word. But what about mercy? What is weighty about mercy? What is weighty about mercy? Let me tell you why. If you never understand the mercy, the forgiveness, the love of God in its entirety, are you hearing me? You'll never shield yourself from certain consequences. And if you never learn to shield yourself from certain consequences, every weakness in you will come with a definitive consequence of destruction. Not only because of the effect of that weakness, are you hearing me? But also the power of the weakness over you that you will not be able to come out of it. Do you understand? Because it's one thing to suffer of a thing, but I'm able to come out of it. It's another to suffer of a thing and I'm not able to come out of it. It's another to come out of a thing, but its consequences follow me until I die. One man of God said that there are certain things That can never be changed. I disagree. With God, all things are possible. Praise God. Let's go out in the deeper issues now of God's mercy. (laughs) Which, wait, yes. Let's go in the deeper issues of God's mercy. Now, in John chapter 6, verses 37... I want to read you a scripture that is very mostly times misconstrued grossly by folk who have not understood the weight of God's mercy. He says, and all that the Father has given me shall come to me. Is that it? And him that cometh to me, he says, I will in no wise cast out. Give me the amplified of that. He says, and all whom the Father gives me and trusts me to come will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will most certainly not cast out. In fact, do you know why there's boxes in there? That's the original language. It rendered, I will never, no, never reject one of them who comes to me. Now, many religious people think that scripture is only exclusive to men who are coming into salvation. So they give the impression almost as though that, you know, when you come into salvation, God accepts you. He will by no means cast away. Right? Then you come into salvation. When you come into salvation, you mess up. He rejects you. Or, sometimes you will mess up so bad that you'll come to him and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Or you're just walking toward him. And then he sees you. And then he acts like, Those primary school spoiled kids of. Then you say, Jesus! Are you hearing me? One time I was in a meeting, and a man of God says, I was praying for somebody, and God told me, I have rejected them. You know me when I'm in such meetings. (laughs) Woo, Jesus, I pray for grace. But you see, the way the person says it and the authority in which they speak, because they do some miracles and prophesy, it's enough to say, if this person was right in the other like prophetic word and this healing, now what about this one? Because some of you, <laughs> gifts justify or vindicate a man. Let me tell you, that's for babies. When you grow in God, you realize that even Christ was not justified of his giftings. Even Jesus, the son of God, he was not justified because he healed the sick and raised the dead. No, the Bible says wisdom is justified of her children. He came and they called him gluttonous and a wine Bible, he says. But he says, but wisdom justifies or is justified of all her children. The only thing that justifies you as a minister is the wisdom of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. Otherwise, again, when you put on the scale, We were men again whose stages don't reconcile with their learning. And the level of gifting on the individual cannot reconcile with the wisdom expected in the gift. Now, the Bible says, when He says, whoever comes to me, I shall never cast out. What does he mean? To them, they think, he's saying, he's talking about people who are coming to salvation. That when you come to salvation... He said, God, I need you. By all means, God will welcome you. But when he welcomes them in the sheepfold, then we start preaching them out of the sheepfold. I know a man, a young girl got pregnant in his church. He put her in front of church, ashamed her, and told her, walk out. She walked out. The ones who aborted stayed. Hey. So, why won't our girls abort? Hey. Because then we are telling them it is easier to kill that child and stay in church than coming with a swollen stomach and we get rid of you. No. I asked. Why would you do this? As says, you know, we need to teach them. I said, that's not how Jesus teaches. He does not teach by casting out. Or have you known people who, when someone does a very big sin, everybody must know. They must expose them. You know, there are people, for them, that's how they think. But that's not God's mind. No, that is just something... A result of something that was inside you. But it just needed to be provoked by somebody's weakness. The problem is you. It's like anger. I was helping somebody overcome anger. And I told them, what's the real, biggest problem you have about anger? Say, said, ah, my, huh, I will not tell you who, annoys me. And I told him, no. Brother, nobody can annoy you. They can only be individuals or situations that, Bring out the anger which is in you. <laughs> Nobody can annoy you. No, you're know, you already an angry man. What happens is somebody just comes and then they provoke it. Yes. That's why the simple say, I will show you my true colors. Don't you say, hey. <laughs> you have another color? <laughs> Did you understand what he said? Sometimes the question is, are we dealing with something in you? <laughs> or are we dealing... <laughs> With something you think they just bring upon you. No, it is just stirred. So, this fellow eh, they make someone as someone for like two months. This person stole. How can you steal? Ba 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 ba. You understand what I'm trying to tell you? What for? You see, God help us ministers because we are responsible for casting out men that shouldn't have been cast out. Even if you're a spiritual authority like me, there are people I've released, but I release them in the Lord and I pray that they go to another ministry, but stay in the Lord. I shouldn't look at them as those that are banished and they have to die because they left Fanero. Leaving <laughs> Fanero doesn't mean that somebody has gone out of God. How about Uganda? I didn't die for them. I didn't shed my blood for them. But you know how many pastors say, that one will die. He has left, he's going to die. And God has a way of keeping people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Praise God. They say, oh yeah, that one is going to die. <laughs> Why? Because they left a small for wall. <laughs> so you think God's grace is subject to your four walls. Even those who left Fanero, I pray peace for them. Because I did not shed blood for them. And them leaving doesn't mean that Fanero will stop growing. Uh-uh. One leaves, then come. They just don't need to stand in the door. No. To disturb the traffic. Go there, go another one comes in. Why? Because I know what God called me to do. Somebody shout "Hallelujah." hallelujah. So this girl left church. We met her with somebody one day and pleaded with her to go back to church. And she made this statement. She said, the church threw me out and the devil loved me. I said, what do you mean? She said, when she went to her unborn again friends, They were waiting with open arms. They took her in, helped her give birth, and now she's rolling with them because to her, these were more of love. We have to stop judging men. We have to stop judging people. We have to stop giving impressions that that sister, that she has done is worse than your own. Get a touch and put it in your heart, mister. You're going to find you also have your issues. God has just covered you. That's why when you're inviting people to find invite everyone. Oh, but they have issues, you bring them. God has a way of dealing with his own. He has a way. He has a way. He has a way. If you think mass is easy, try extending it to someone who doesn't deserve it. You'll understand. Some of you there are even people you can't. Eh, Jesus. But this scripture does not only refer to men which are coming to Christ for salvation. No, he's talking about even the worst person, worst Christian who has made a mistake and still comes back. Let me prove it. Let's go back to what we're reading next verse 38, he says, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will and purpose, listen, but to do the will and purpose of him who has sent me. And the next verse says, and in this is the will of him who sent me. This is the will. That I should not lose, listen, any of all that he has given me, but that I should give new life and raise them up all at the last day. This is the will of God that Jesus will never lose any that was given him. So it means even if you messed up in the worst messing up and came back to him, he'll still turn and say, where can we pick it from? Go back, mess up, come back. Where can we pick it from? Go back, mess up, come back. I will never cast you out. Do you know there are people who feel they don't even deserve to come to church? Haven't you invited someone before? I uh, Me, the sins I have, I, God will just kill me. He'll just kill me. That is not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That is not the God who sent Jesus Christ. The one who sent Jesus Christ said that he wills that all come to the knowledge of the truth. He has spoken it. He says that everyone, God has given him the mandate to keep all that God has given him. You know, it's every day Jesus is devising means to keep you in salvation. But you see, I have messed up, come back, messed up, come back, eh, keep coming back. I told people, it doesn't matter how bad you mess up, come back in the presence of God. He is the only one who can understand you. Let me say it again, he is the only one who can what? Even me, there are people I don't understand. Because of the way they do things. Are you hearing me? In my own human understanding, I can even cut away and say, hey, mm, mm, mm. but Jesus, the one I'm talking about, he understands. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. He understands. The Bible says, he understands. You used to sing the song, Jesus knows our every. He knows. You're not going to surprise him. believe I did this. God knew. (laughs) You you might not believe. Are you hearing me? But he's not shocked. But every time you come to him, he will say, how do we pick it up? How do I help you get out? Go back, mess up, come back. His arms will always, why? Because he has a mandate to the father that he must keep all that have been given him. Somebody shout Hallelujah. That's what I call the spirit of adoption. In Romans chapter 8, verses 15, he says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We don't cry, Abba, Father, in anguish. We cry, Abba, Father, in bliss. Why? Because every time we turn to him, we see love. Read the Amplified. He says, for the spirit which you have now received is not a spirit of slavery to put you once again in bondage, more in fear. You know what that means? There's some people who mess up and then they come back to God like this. Jesus, lover of my soul. Oh, cause you... Then they melt affection. Then you see them crying and you say, Eva, this sister is a deep worshiper. What be (laughs) Nothing. She's dealing with an indifferent mind that doesn't know that she's not a slave. I want you to know I will follow you. (laughs) I I have made you too small. (laughs) No, he says the spirit we've received even in the worst situation. Come with joy knowing he's going to help you. It doesn't mean we don't sorrow after the God kind. But there's a sorrow that does not lead to repentance. And that's the sorrow that brings you to God as a slave. Come with the sorrow of a son, not the sorrow of a slave. Listen, I messed up my father when I was growing up. But regardless of what I did, I'm sure Paul might have loved me. Do you understand? Yet is not God. There are also some things in the human being that would come in, and you <laughs> understand. But I was sure. But even in the, <laughs> I was still sure that my father loved me. That's a human being. What about God? Somebody shout hallelujah! In John ten twenty seven, he says, "My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them what." Eternal life, and they shall never under the life. They shall never perish. And the Bible says, "And never shall any man pluck them out of my hand." Somebody shout hallelujah! And the next verse says, "He says, My Father, which gave them to me, is greater than all. All what?" all temptations, all weaknesses, all men, are you hearing me? And no man, he repeated it, is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. Glory! Even at your worst mistake, you're still here. God has you. Even in your worst mistake, he says, yeah, we can deal with it, but he's still mine. He is still mine. Yes, he has messed up but he's still my servant. Yes she has messed up but she's still my daughter. I have them here. You can cast them out have not? I still love them. Somebody shout hallelujah. Say amen. amen. Say amen. amen. That is why he says in Romans chapter 5 verses 8 he says God commendeth his love towards us in that While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Give me that particular verse in the message. Verses 8. But God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death. While we were of no use whatsoever to him. That is weighty. Some of you think that he saw how useful you would be and then he sent Christ. Uh Uh-uh. He looked at how useless you were, but he still sent you, Jesus, (laughs) to tell you, I don't love you because you're better today. Even when you were useless to me, I saw value in my son and I told him, Go down and shed blood for that woman. What a love! Somebody shout, Hallelujah! What a love! what a love Oh, what a love do you know how many people love you because of what you've done for them do you know how many people hate you because of what you've done to them look at a God who you did everything to to a point where you became useless He looked at you and felt there was no value you could add to the kingdom. And he sent Christ. That's where salvation begins from. Understand me, brothers and sisters. Understand that God first saw useless you. And he understood how useless you were. And then he lifted you. Now the next verse says, much more. Much more being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. Much more. In other words, if he got you saved when you were useless, what about now when you're useful? Ah, Slap somebody and tell them I'm going to heaven. Did you understand what I just said? If in your worst he loved you, And saved you. He still exerted life. And effort to get useless you in. Are you going to die. When you confess the lordship of your. Oh, He is the author. And the finisher of your faith. He that began that good work in you. He shall see to accomplishment. To the day of Christ. I have good news for you. We shall not lose you. God will deal with your weakness. He will deal with your craziness. It might take five years. It might take two days. It might take six hours. But woman, God is coming out with you. It might take 17 months. You might play silly and stupid. But if you receive the Lord as your savior. And accept that his lordship in your heart. It doesn't matter how long crazy you are. One time you will wake up. And you look at someone straight in the face and tell them I got done with that issue. He that began that good work in your life the Bible says he shall see it to accomplishment to the day of Christ. That is weighty. Somebody shout hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He says much more. He says, listen, message. Now that we are set right with God by means of his sacrificial death, the consummate blood, sacrifice. He says, there is no longer a question of being at odds with God in any way. There is no question. But God is mad at me. Rubega grace? He can't. So, when I go to him, (laughs) and some people think, oh, so you don't feel sorrow for your sin? No, I don't feel sorrow the way you legal person feels it. (laughs) He knows I'm born of him. I cannot deliberately, habitually, continue to do sin. Why? Because the divine spam permanently Remains in me and I cannot continue. He knows that. Me and God know. You, you, you might not understand but me and God we know. So he says if when we were at our worst we were put on friendly terms with God by the sacrificial death of his son. He says now that we are at our best just think of how our lives will what expand and deepen by means of his resurrection life glory I see you expanding I see you increasing I see you deepen in the things of the spirit and I see you go higher and higher as God rubs that nonsense out of you somebody shout hallelujah he says the bruised reed I will not what? I will not break and he says and the smoldering wick, I shall by no means burn out. Do you know what a bruised reed is? Do you know like when people are walking eh? And then they go rubbing grass, grass until the grass of a stem is so withered that it's almost breaking off when God finds that one He holds it back and says, stand. Apostle, stand. Rita, stand. Robert, stand. Woman of God, you can make it. I know you've messed up. You can't even tell your pastor. But I called you. I love you. I care for you. I still have plans for you. To make you prosper. And not to harm you. To give you that future and hope. And he says... And a smoldering week. Let me explain what a smoldering wick is. How many you know why a wick? In Luganda, they call it a katambi. Now, there's a week, It's burning and burning. And then smoldering. You know what it means? It's either they've poured water on it or something has happened. And then the light starts to go dim like it's going to... Like you have a candle, right? Yeah. And then for some reason it burns out. And then that thing starts to slowly... Like it's going to die. He says a smoldering week. The Bible says he will not quench. A smoking flux. He will not. Do you know what that means? When he finds you at that point when you're dying out. Eh, he comes and says apostle. <laughs> Let's go apostle. <laughs> Woman of God stand up. You can't die. I still need you. I still love you. I will lift you. I will uphold you. I will anoint you. I can still use you you, somebody shout hallelujah just take 10 seconds and clap for Jesus just clap for Jesus I feel the spirit of God He's blowing on some people he's telling them I will make you live I will heal you I'll make you right. I'll deliver you. I'll do everything. But don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't draw back. Keep coming. Keep going to church. Keep listening to the word. Keep believing God. Because if you don't believe in his mercy, you'll not believe in healing. You will not believe in restoration. You will not believe in redemption. Even if you have the worst disease, healing is here. Even if you are in the worst scenario of finances because you are not tithing or giving your first fruit or whatever. Pick up your pieces. Pick up your pieces. You made a mistake last week. You even wanted to commit suicide. How could I have done this? Yes. It's not news to him. Get up. Get up. Stand and we move on. You'll finish well. In Christ alone My hope is found Let's sing it. He is my life my strength, my soul Sing with me this cornerstone that's a proclamation this soul everyone sing those words Farm through the fiercest drought and storm what heights of love what depths of peace When fears are still? when striving sees my comfort my own. Here in the life of Christ I stand I want you to sing those words like they're coming from your heart. With this, if you're here, <laughs> I have given you the good news, and you say, Apostles, you are speaking, I feel in my heart I need to receive this Jesus. There's also people who say I had walked away because I had thought that my error was unforgivable. But tonight I want to rebuild something. I want to pray with you. Now, repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus. Tonight, I have heard your voice. I have understood that you love me. My heart reaches out to you. To receive your Lordship. And your salvation. As Lord and Savior in my life. Tonight, my life changes and I choose to submit to you and your word. Amen. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 41 466 or email us at, at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.funero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com/funero. Funero, make manifest.